it's maybe not so difficult to get one sensational shot. Listening to Local Trouble, the Star Wars podcast here on the One Sensational Shot Network. My name's Luke Littleboy, and I'm joined, of course, with James Taylor. Of course, this is sad news today. We thought uh, we hadn't recorded in a little while, our fault, but um, we couldn't resist. We had to jump on the mics and uh, have a few words about Mr. Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca himself. Uh, of course, he passed away recently so we wanted to have a catch-up james were you on your way to work or i can't i think Um, i'd just woken up uh or just gone to bed i think and i just read the news yeah i think i'd just woken up and i've I've, despite my attempts to leave my phone in the living room i've been taking it to bed recently for sort of work reasons and i rolled over and just usually you know i expect to hear about some poor soul being stabbed somewhere you know the usual darkness but um yeah it was a it was our beloved peter just um just passed away at the age of 74. Good innings, some might say, yeah. but obviously it's always sad when we lose one of the principal cast of the original trilogy. And, you know, someone that everyone just loved Peter, I think. And he was such a nice guy. And, um, yeah, how, um, that's how I found out. And I, I did feel that. I felt that kind of little stab that I felt with, with Carrie and um, with Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting to that point. I, I hate to sound so morbid, but uh, I, a lot of my heroes are from the the seventies. You know, we're, we're prolific in the seventies, and uh, whether that be actors or uh, directors or punks, you know, and we're getting to the point where some of these guys, you know, they're they're, they're going. Um, it just is the natural cycle of it. Um, so it, it is, yeah, it, it it's sad. And like Pete Shelley from the Buzzcocks, not not that long ago, mm-hmm. and. Like you say, Kenny, Dave Prowse. Um, I think one of the things with Peter, and you're right, this has been coming through as I've read, or not that we didn't know it, but just as, as I've read all of the tributes and everything, it's really come through just how how much love the guy had and, and how much other people loved him. Yeah. And some of the tributes were, were just phenomenal. Harrison Ford kind of led the tributes, He's always good like that. I mean, I think Harrison's always quite quick out of the gate to sort of celebrate the cast and everything, despite his not really loving Star Wars. He's always there. And I really appreciate that from him. Yeah. So one of what he thinks he said was, uh, we were partners in film and friends in life for over 30 years, and I loved him. Mm. Um, and something I noticed is that Time Magazine, their Twitter account, had, had quoted, I loved him, you know, Ford on Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew's Twitter account, obviously run by his family, replied with simply he knew and I, I thought that was really poignant <laughs> that's a nice touch um, and really cool yeah. yeah Harrison went on to say he invested his soul in the character and brought great pleasure to the Star Wars audience and uh, Mark I, I love Mark's quote he was the gentlest of giants what was so remarkable about him Mark says was his spirit and his kindness and his gentleness was so close to what a Wookiee is he just radiated happiness and warmth. He was always up for a laugh, and we just hit it off immediately and stayed friends for over forty years. Amazing. Um, you're right, and he—he, he, um, I know Peter in a nineteen, uh, sorry, two thousand fifteen interview, and uh, he was saying that Chewbacca is basically a big teddy bear. <laughs> um, um, and he—he, he, uh, this is one of the things that we can talk about the Chewie character now. I think, but 
I thought Peter's summing up of what Chewie's all about is was really, really special. He says that uh, my character's a teddy bear, basically. I bet if you looked around your office, how many people had a teddy bear as a youngster or a security blanket as a youngster? And that's what Chewie is. He looks after everybody. And I love that that thought of how Chewie just looks after everyone. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel a little sad that the character's taken a bit of a back seat, along with R2, in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. But um, if you think about The Last Jedi, yes, he's in the background. He's got a couple of comic relief scenes with the Porgs and stuff. But he's there looking after Rey, isn't he? He's this presence, this comforting presence that he's just there. And, and, and he flies in the fal- in, on the Falcon with Rey to save the day at the end. And he's just this permanent presence that, yeah, it's that comfort blanket thing to a degree. What, what do you think? I think um, I completely agree. He is this this cuddly teddy bear who just you know keeps everyone safe. I completely see that in the films. Um, I also agree with you that he may have taken a slight backseat in the sequel trilogy. And like R2, I'm not so sure that that was ne- really necessary. I think Disney, if they purchased these characters, then maybe they could have used them a little bit more. I understand like you want to inject new personalities and new new characters into the universe but i think like the core ray finn poe kylo rose sort of injection into the new saga would have been fine i think chewie and r2 could have had greater roles um yeah he's great i think um kids just automatically gravitate towards chewie i think because because he doesn't have dialogue in in a sense it's maybe it's how kids feel a bit more He's so much more emotional and so much more basic, and he's the easiest to understand out of everybody. There's no complexity to understanding that character, and maybe that's why Chewbacca resonates with children so much, as well as the whole you know walking carpet thing. Yeah. But yeah, I I, yeah. I feel I yeah. feel like Chewbacca himself has really uh, died, which is really bad. I I link Peter with that character so much. I mean, I know Jonas has come in. I've done, I've done a fantastic job of, of picking up and, and, you know, Peter really, really mentored him uh, a lot on, on the mm-hmm. mannerisms. I mean, and we, we've mentioned on the podcast before, you know, oh, well, that's a Peter scene. You can see those, those, those eyes. And, um, yeah. And all and a lot of the stunt doubles that played Chewie as well, their names escape me now. I'm very sorry if they're listening. Um, you, you guys did great jobs as well. But, I mean, I, I think you know quite a bit about this, about Lucas's dog, right? Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Indiana, which I think was technically his wife's dog. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, most Star Wars fans will know it's legendary that, that Indiana would be sitting in the car seat next to him in the passenger seat as he drove to and from you know the office and when he was writing Star Wars in the in the mid seventies and he just had this idea that you know, he he was so tall because he's a what's the what's the breed? He was an Alaskan Mar- Malamute, so not just a Malamute, yeah, which is Malamute, huge. Yeah an Alaskan one, so probably got some wolf in him as well. So <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine yeah. this big dog. Of course, being so big in the car, George said that he he was at human height, basically. He would sit upright in the car seat, and, and he just thought, this is a really great idea as a co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> you have a dog co-pilot. And um, that's one of the that's why I love Star Wars as well, because it's a, a great documentary, um, which is on Star Wars official YouTube. It was on the VHSs, I think, back in the day. And it's called The Anatomy of a Jewback. And it basically talks about CG, how they do CG modeling. Because, of course, back then, just off the back of Jurassic Park, this was a fairly big deal. And they talk about the Jewback, they talk about Jabba, they talk about the CG scenes they inserted uh, into the um, Star Wars Special Edition. And one of the things Peter says, uh, sorry, that George says, 
is um, that Dubax, you know, some of Star Wars is serious and some things in Star Wars are just put there out of whimsy. Uh, and and I love that that thought because that's why he said, well, you know, that's why I have stormtroopers riding on Dubax. It's just whimsical. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's certainly whimsical to have a a dog co-pilot. It's, it's like, whenever people start to get too serious about Star Wars, I just think, guys, you know, there's a talking dog in it. You know, it's just, it, it's a goofy, goofy uh, movie. And that's one of the things I love most about it. I, I liked the Chewbacca character. I mean, I love the idea of, you know, Indiana, the co-pilot becoming such a central thing. I also liked how he was an alien, but, you know, even at that time, aliens were usually reptilian in nature. We didn't really have hairy aliens. And yeah, like you say, just off the back of um, where the character came from, and if you do look at some early storyboards that Joe Johnston, people were putting together uh, at Lucasfilm back in the day, uh, in the mid-70s, just when they were trying to get the film made, he does look a bit more Mm dog-like, and and you can look at a lot of Ralph Macquarie Macquarie drawings, that kind of thing. Um, And I think we should probably talk a little bit about how he got the role. Yeah, man. So, I mean, so as, um, as far as I understand... He, he's a Londoner. Yeah, he was He was a son of a policeman, wasn't he? But he was diagnosed with giantism mm-hmm. very early when he was in his, like, mm-hmm. um, eight or nine. But I think it was a photograph of him that mm-hmm. was in the local paper. And then someone just mm-hmm. cast him in... What was it? Sinbad? So it's a yes. complete fluke that he was... Yeah, he, he's... Go ahead. He's yeah. the great... Um, no, no, he, in Sinbad, he's he's the big bronzed. Uh, um, is it like a Minotaur thing? I I can't I can't remember, but it's he he's in this big kind of bronze outfit, and he's this kind of half man, half um, Minotaur thing, yeah. and uh, he's 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 great in it. Um, I mean, it's just this big scary tall monster, but uh, it, I mean, you anyone should check Sinbad out. I haven't watched it in many years, but uh, Ray Harryhausen, of course. Um, and all that stop motion stuff, you know, I'm a big fan of that mm. era of filmmaking. I haven't seen it probably since I was about 12. Um, we should have a Ray Harryhausen episode. That's another thing we should do. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah. The, 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 pa- the picture of him in the paper, which was just completely random, is him like helping put up a, a sign in the hospital, isn't it? Because he, he was an yeah, orderly yeah, yeah. At, the, uh, at the hospital. <laughs> um, so yeah, off the back of that, you're right. He just got spotted. No, you're born and you go to school and you have this condition, you know, giantism, and presumably kids are merciless about any kind of thing that makes you different when you're young. And then for for it to finally pay off in such a such a sort of wonderful, lucky way, and for it to open the door to the future, I just think is a, is always a wonderful story when you hear it about actors who have special you know, special conditions. I mean, like Kenny, I don't exactly know how Kenny got the role as R2, but I mean, I imagine his story is somewhat the same, except for he was obviously very short. Yeah, I just, I, he I just was really big in the UK comedy circuit. Ah, actually. that was it. He, he was a stand-up comic, ah, so nice. he was quite well known. in the, And of course, cause just because Star Wars was filmed in the UK, you know, a lot of UK talent, um, you know, lo- local there. Um, so Ke- Ke- that was Kenny. Um, of course, he Peter... I, I don't quite know what he did after Star Wars um, because after Jedi, he um, he moved to Yorkshire and n- not an awful lot was heard from him. Uh, and don't forget, of course, this was this was before the time of big geek culture, mm. and uh, and Star Wars wasn't that big a deal. Um, I think um, in the late eighties and early nineties. I think considering how he was discovered, you know, he didn't set out to become an actor in any way. He just he sort of said, okay, mm. that sounds interesting, I'll do it. And I imagine that they got paid incredibly well for Empire and Jedi. And 
mm. he may have just decided that okay that's that's good i'm gonna i'm gonna chill for a little while and uh you know have my life i mean after star wars but staying within the realm of it i mean he's so heavily involved in the fan community there's like he was at he was at celebration this year and we, yeah. we didn't know that it was going to be his last i mean maybe people on the ground who were there um maybe maybe could could sense it i mean he had been in a lot of chronic pain over the last few years of his life from his from his stature um and he'd, yeah. he'd set up many many foundations after star wars about you know helping people with with chronic pain and trying to relieve it and so i think outside of acting his his career blossomed into several different things he became a great spokesperson for the fan um fan base well not spokesperson but he was there he was at conventions you know he was Giving, giving yeah, people an ambassador, and, if you like. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the best way to put it. I mean, Billy D has taken up the reins slightly recently as well, although I think Pete has just been, he's been involved since that time, you know, and as, as soon as there was a convention, he was at it. And I, I think that's just, I yeah. love that. I mean, I, I think a lot of people can cynically say that, oh, well, you know, you know you're kind of riding on the coattails of Star Wars, and, and to a certain extent that's true, but also for us, the fans, it's amazing because you get to meet your heroes all the time. Yeah, and um, credit there, to him for that. There wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a um, fan community without conventions and without the actors that that do the circuit. You know, um, in in the times before geek culture and and the conventions were much smaller than they are now, um, it was a really big deal to go and see the guy that played uh, Biggs or an you know an imperial mm. officer or, or whatever. And um, I have no problem because because the you know the wages for supporting parts like that you know i don't know what peter got paid for the originals um, i imagine it would have been would have fairly been decent i mean you're not are you supporting i guess he is supporting in a technical sense but he's, he's supporting really yeah a lot of scenes. he's not a lead he's not with the big three yeah i suppose so. there's a rumor and i don't know if this is true or not but there's, there's, there's been a long-standing rumor that harrison stepped in on force awakens and insisted peter be paid more because he was paid a very small sum initially uh, um and Har- but that's a rumor okay. i don't know if it's true or not um and i as a supporting cast member you don't see his face you know i do i i don't know just things david prowse has said over the years as vader um i mean he fell out of favor with lucasfilm for lots of different reasons yeah. including the his um, loose-lipped interviews uh, over the years it, during the original trilogy as well. So I, I'm not sure if he was paid oodles of money, mm, um, okay. Peter. Um, uh, but my, my point is that, you know, it was quiet for a lot of years um, after Jedi. It was really around the mid-90s that the conventions were starting to kick off mm. a bit in, 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 in a more earnest way. And, uh, of course, this, as the special editions came out, they started to ramp up. And, yeah, you're right, Peter's been there ever since. Doing the circuit and uh, and meeting the fans and um, from my point of view as well, like you know Disney and Lucasfilm, whoever it is, whoever owns these properties, um, you know that I think there must be an understanding that these things have to have a bit of a life of their own when you're when you've got a fan community there. The thing that keeps it alive is the engagement of some of the stars and actors, people like Peter, mm. who um, are there for the fans and uh, delighting the fans, yeah, just... and that's what keeps. The, the dream of I've life. just cheated a little and gone to his IMDb just to get a bit of light on this um, and you know his career and there's a few bits I mean it's not a massive list a lot of it uh, presumably you know it's, it's a lot of Star Wars there's also quite a few TVs there's a few episodes of television here and there but it was actually in 81 he was in he was in a TV series called Dark Towers which I've never heard of uh, should we talk about like the actual the way that he acted 
as Chewbacca. Mm. Because I think a lot of people have said this over the years, that it's hard to know where Chewbacca starts and Peter leaves off. Yeah. And that so much of the character of Chewie is um, is Peter. And I, I suppose I, I haven't... I've read um, the screenplays for Star Wars. And, you know, Chewbacca is always in the screenplay. as just raw, raw, like that. And some, sometimes yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of direction about the feeling or the emotion, but very loosely. And I just wonder, I mean, and we know that George wasn't particularly great at directing actors. And so yeah. in New Hope, you know, a lot of that Chewbacca action, I think is, is really kind of Peter really just going for it and, and feeling the scene and, and, and acting. And on that basis, I think he's just incredible. He's just such an he's such yeah. an incredible conveyor of emotion. I suppose that's what his large frame is so good for. Is he can be really really yeah. bold and big and scary, but also very very. I think this is something that we were talking about with Force Awakens: mask acting. You know, the Star Wars is mm. great for mask acting. Adam Driver in the scene where he's apparently communing with Darth Vader, and the and the mask is moving up, and you know everything has to be ten times bigger because there's no facial expression to express the emotion. I think when we're when we're yeah. watching Chewbacca, we have to concede that fact that you know we're we're seeing a really great actor inside of there conveying quite complex things, um, and I, and I just love it. I, I don't know whether you feel the same. I mean, I don't know whether you you have your favourite yeah. Chewy moments or. Um, <laughs> I think I think you hit on a couple of really good points. It's um he this the seventies a different time for lots of different reasons. <laughs> we won't get into the darker ones, <laughs> but it was a different time. And it back then there was no such thing as motion capture and in all this thing that's been developed now, kind of by Andy Circus. You know, I would yeah, argue legend. that Hamid Best as um as Jar Jar was kind of the the, the great originator. But Andy Circus has certainly made a career out of the whole motion capture thing. Now back then it wasn't talked about. I think it was just called mime. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I always love that we give things different names now when really like a selfie or whatever. It's yeah. like taking a picture of yourself has always existed, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, yeah, mime is is really what this stuff is to an extent. Um, appreciate the dialogue and stuff in motion capture, so it's not strictly mm. true. But uh, but the main principles are there. And uh, I know that Lucas explained to to Peter in the original movie that that Chewie's a mime character. He'll uh, you know the sounds are put in later. That's fine. And as prep, he went to his local zoo and studied bears, monkeys, and gorillas. So that's uh, interesting to me that I think a lot of it did come from Peter's own research and thinking about the character. You're right, George wasn't necessarily the best person uh, director. For, he was not an actor's director. No. Um, so I think a lot of it, a lot of those mannerisms and, and, and all, all the things that we know and love about Chewie probably did come a lot from Peter. And I'm sure that, you know, Lucas was open about the fact that the background of the character, not necessarily that maybe it was based on his dog, but certainly um, I, I, there's no sh- doubt in my mind that he would have explained to Peter that, that this is um, he's kind of like a dog character, you know, he's, he's Hans buddy. And um, I'm sure that played into it too. And you're right, the the, the, the mean and the angry roar, uh, like the, sometimes in a comedic sense, like uh, with the mouse droids, yeah, which yeah. is certainly one of my favourite <laughs> Chewy moments when the mouse droid then reverses back and, and scurries off. It's one of my favourite Star Wars moments because it's a great Looney Tunes yeah. uh, moment. I like I like anything that feels like a, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Um, 
a lot of people probably don't like it, but I really do enjoy the Porg getting stuck on the window of the Falcon when Chewie takes a turn. Oh, I love it. Yeah, all of that stuff is good. And it feels like uh, Daffy Duck or something. I think my favourite is like when the Falcon's not working in in Empire and he's got his, Peter's got his hands like on some pieces of the set and he's just yelling and shaking as it's not working and sparks are flying. I just think, you know, it's such a perfect, because it's very rare that you see Chewie too frustrated and I just think that even he's had enough of this piece of crap there's great moments (laughs) there's great moments in empire like that isn't there i always like um when han is they're in in hoth why you take this apart now i'm trying to get us out of here (laughs) yeah exactly there's that there's uh there's when uh, he goes to chewy okay turn it on and and then it (laughs) starts to explode in han's face no turn it off turn it off and chewy's just yeah like you say like his his arms are flailing and he's roaring it's it's just cool stuff Cool stuff. I like, uh, yeah, he doesn't, okay, so I know he's inspired by a dog, but I do feel from Harrison and Peter on set that there's this real mutual respect to to Han Solo and Chewbacca. It's, it's not just like master servant. Yeah. I know that there's the life debt and all this stuff, and technically it's this, that, and the other, but there is a love and a respect there, like they are best friends, not master and slave. Mm. And I, I really... I don't know how much of that comes from the fact that they're really good friends in, in life. Um, and that yeah. Peter is almost acting as himself in so many scenes. But yeah, what I liked uh, as we moved from the OT to, this, to the prequels is, is how much, you know, the Chewbacca's race was built on by George and how much he re- reacted yeah. to the popularity of the character. Uh, as we've said, you know, Peter is such a large part of that character. And so, you know, if it, if Chewbacca wasn't as successful, if Peter wasn't as able to communicate so perfectly as he did, I don't think we would have ever really managed to see Kashyyyk in the same way. You know, it's almost like, you know, yeah. through through playing Chewbacca, he's inspired an entire, like, personality of an entire race in Star Wars. And so his contribution as an actor is massive when you actually start thinking in these terms. You know, the Wookiees are an, a race of Peters. <laughs> you know, lovely... Yeah, good-hearted people, you know, and um, I sort of it was great to see Kashyyyk, and I also loved it how Yoda had a special connection with the Wookiees as well, and like you know that, that kind of connection between one of the one of the most powerful beings in the universe, you know, really respects the Wookiees. You know, from this simple idea of a dog in a car, you get this incredible part of the Star Wars lore, and it's just great to sort of celebrate the man who kind of I think played a massive role in that, really, and bring that to life. Yeah, I, I I enjoy the prequel. Th- There's no, I get George always talks about how Kashyyyk was supposed to be Endor in the original trilogy, but of course he'd already established that the Wookiees were more technological, so therefore he had to cut them in half, make them Ewoks. Um, how true any of it is is up to debate, but certainly what George says, and therefore it was a natural fit that you'd have Kashyyyk at the in Revenge of the Sith to kind of make it all come full circle and that kind of ring theory yeah. element where it echoes the end of, of Jedi. Of course, there's very little, from a screenplay point of view, I do enjoy the fact there's very little point to go to Kashyyyk in episode three. It, it's so shoehorned in, which is why it's been memed so often. I love it. Coyote Monday I going. love it, man. I mean, I, I, I love, love it too, like, but I, I, I just love it. I mean, like... I have a, I like a big sprawling adventure, and I'm also aware that when you're on the road, yeah. sometimes you end up places you didn't really need to go, and I, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Canto Bite, they're supposed to go and find someone there, aren't they? Mm. Of course, with um, with uh, with uh, Kashyyyk in episode three, Kaidi Mundi just says, "What about the droid attack on the Wookies?" 
And then they just they're shoehorned in, and, this, and then they go, oh, I suppose we should go there too. Like, there's no actual reason. Don't um, tear down my dreams, fine. Like, man. <laughs> I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. me. It's just why it's, me- it's, it's why it's been memed so much online. I, I, doesn't, I don't care. I freaking love the Saving Private Ryan yeah, beach it's, landing it's moment in, in, in episode three. I love all the ships in that scene as well. I, just, I, I really dig the, the kind of beach warfare with the forest, kind of like Pacific Northwest kind of vibe to it. Yeah. You know, remember yeah. that day where we were like super hungover 10 years ago on some beach in Oregon, was it? I've got yeah. a photo of you like passed out on the sand and the fog is just creeping in. And it just That's what it felt like. It felt like a sheet. <laughs> just... It did. <laughs> that's where we, isn't that where we met the guy called Roadkill? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's another, there was a that's bar another, the beach. another podcast for another time. 10 years on, <laughs> reflections upon a, a North American road trip. Yeah, I, I, I. What's your name, man? You, my name's Rogue Kill. It's like, oh fuck. Actually, there is. <laughs> get there out actually is a Star Wars connection to this story. Actually, for the listeners, um, we were in the middle of nowhere in our car. We go to this bar, hungover, hungry, and uh, the first thing I noticed was there was a perfectly drawn um, penis above the door of this place, which was fun. And to the right of the door was a guy just it smoked. No dicks allowed, yeah, yeah, right? it said no dicks allowed. And to the right of the door was this old fellow with a you, you know lumberjack cap on, just smoking the hugest, stinkiest joint you could ever really have. And it was amazing. We walk in, and then there's this 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 bartender or the owner of the bar, this Russian lady, and she's absolutely plastered, and she can't change the keg. And I don't know whether Luke you remember, but I helped her change the beer I keg. I've still got the shot glass she gave me. Yeah, I changed the beer keg so we could have a beer in this bar. And that's when you <laughs> noticed the, the original 1977 Star Wars pinball machine, I think it was, wasn't it? Or was it yeah, an Empire I, one? Yeah, I can't remember if it was original or not, but it was it was definitely a, a Star Wars pinball anyway, machine. Anyway, that was great. So we just had a pint and started playing the Star Wars pinball machine. It was awesome. And then this, this lovely lady brought out pulled pork sandwiches and big slices of watermelon for free for changing the cake. So um, all in all, a very good morning. From a very very messy night. Yeah, that was that was great. And then we got on got in the yeah. cherry red Mustang and the SUV and uh, moseyed on down the road. <laughs> so that was um, it. Wasn't Oregon actually? We just left uh, Oregon. That was Northern California. Uh, my mistake. And if you remember, the next stop after that was Crescent City, yeah. which of course is where the Redwoods were, and that's where uh, they filmed Endor. Yeah. So Star Wars is in our lives, man. That, <laughs> Don't have to have another podcast. Star Wars is in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's good. Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, mm. uh, we will miss you. And, uh, you know, you're one with the force now, for, for one of a better way of putting it. We, yeah. We, we love you. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was such, such joy, I think, brought to everyone over the years. And well done for handing um, on such a brilliant character to cast and crew who will now continue in that, in that legacy. You know, Juna's now picking up, picking up the ropes and, and uh, carrying on the, the traditions of... Peter Mayhew, great man. Did did you watch the um, episode nine panel? And we can segue into the trailer now. But What's in the that? episode nine There's panel, a new Star Wars jo- coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Jonas, Jonas uh, was talking when they were yeah. going down the big row, you know, of, of people yeah. and uh, the boy band moment. They're all on the benches, <laughs> aren't they? And uh, Jonas then said, um, just out of the blue, this is obviously before Peter passed. He just said, I really want to just give a shout out to to Peter yeah. who who originated this character and taught me everything he knew. Um, yeah, I don't know how close those guys so that were. Was, but that was really I, cool. I think maybe they they did keep in touch, and I like to think that they did anyway. And 
There was a handover, so obviously they shared the role in Force Awakens. And yeah, you're right, you can tell the Peter scenes. My favourite in The Force Awakens is when they're on Starkiller Base. Han has obviously died. Um, and the fight with Kylo has happened between Finn and Rey. And, and uh, the Falcon comes to pick them up as the planet's falling apart. Yeah. And there's just a shot through the cockpit. And Chewie looks up. And you know it's Peter. Yeah. Um, he explained to, to JJ. JJ called him personally on the phone to offer him the role to come back for Force Awakens. And he said, look, I'll level with you. I have had this operation and uh, I can't really walk. And JJ said, that's okay. We'll, we'll see what we can do and shoot around it, which is why he was obviously then mm. still a part of it. Whether it's true or not about Harrison encouraging them to, to give him more money I, or not, I do, I do not know. But um, certainly JJ did did at least call him personally and did want him there and, 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 and obviously was really keen to have him a part of the movie, which is which is, which is is fantastic. Um, and JJ gave a tribute as well. Um, he, he tweeted as well. So I, I didn't have that one up in front of me, but um, I know that he was you know, very warm and heartfelt about his memories of Peter too um but yeah going going forwards obviously the role was split and uh, there was some consultancy i think he's he's he is credited i believe as a consultant mm. uh, on the last jedi and on solo so there was there's an element there and um jonas is does a very good job you know he's yeah. got the mannerisms down pat he he really does do well yeah it's just that to such an extent, actually, that uh, one or two, one or two people mentioning no names. Uh, this isn't you. I hasten to add, James. But there were some people on uh, ex colleagues, people like that, on Facebook, who were saying, "Oh, goodbye, Peter." You know, they're, they're uploading a picture of Chewie, and they were uploading pictures from like Solo, <laughs> the Star Wars story. And I thought, yeah. guys, yeah. at least upload a picture of of, of Peter as Chewie. I don't know, man. I so, think that's testament to what he Judas can pass was... on and how they work together. Yeah. I think you know, and also just it's. It's testament to how many people know this character and just infer upon it. I know it's technically wrong, but, you know, I'm cool with it. But, yeah, I, I made sure when we were in our little friends group to, to put something in there, which I know is definitely Peter. Because <laughs> you know? um, he was prequels as well, wasn't he? So, he's yeah, he's been in... He was mobile for, for, for uh, episode three. Yeah, so yeah. that's definitely him in all those episode three shots. Yeah. Um, that's definitely him. Wow. Uh, Goodbye, Peter Mayhew. Yeah. So, episode nine. Happy Star Wars Day, uh, by the way. We'll it's see... May the fourth when we're recording. At the... Oh, we're recording on May yeah, the fourth. May the fourth be with you, Peter oh. Mayhew. Um... That's a really interesting point. I wonder. Um... We'll probably re- we'll release later. Obviously, we're not going to release on May the fourth. Uh, I don't think Luke's got time to mix. Yeah, it, I'm just going to visit. I'm just going to visit StarWars.com. Um... Because they, they like to make a big deal of it. Oh, they are. They're making a big deal of it. There's uh, Discover News, blogs, yeah. recipes, crafts, and more to make your there's Star new, Wars There's day. a new Lego Long thing out, I think. There's like, they're doing the Tantive 4 Lego kit now, I think, which is kind of cool. Um, That's brilliant. I'd be well up for that. The original Millennium Falcon, as we know. That was supposed to be the Millennium yeah, Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Um, why did they change the design again? I think George just liked the scout shell the... a bit more. I think it felt a bit too lunar. I think it felt a bit too earthly to have a spaceship in that format. And there's this big kind of shell no, shape. There, there's another reason. There's another reason. Oh, really? There was a film that came out a year or two before, or, oh, or oh, at the same it, it time, what, and they realised like, that it had a long... It looks like the ship from Space 1999. But that was, that was in the mm, 60s. Yeah, but that was after... Star Wars, wasn't it? Or was it before? I can't remember. I don't know. There was definitely a ship. Someone someone needs to... Uh, um, I'm so, so sure someone's screaming at the speaker. <laughs> we read about it at that There's another ship, and they realised, Christ, we've got to design something really <clears throat> quick. Um, 
In fact, that was why the Falcon worked so well, because they literally designed it in... Do you, I mean, you must have been in this situation as a designer. You work on something for months and months and months. It's there, and then suddenly the client or whatever says, no, we've got to change it. Yeah. And then the idea that you do in three nanoseconds actually nails it. Yeah, Does it that, happens it, all the time, it and, it, and it, it really annoys you. The worst thing, actually, is not that, but actually when you're on the way to the presentation and you have a better idea than what you've got in your pocket on your laptop, you know, and then you've yeah. only got a pen and a paper to demonstrate the idea that you've just had, and that's... That's yeah. a good decision. Do you do you ditch the presentation and go in with the sketch? Do you do it at the end, or do you just ignore it and, and plow forward? You know, and so you have those decisions. <laughs> but I was just saying, there's so many good examples like that in in pop culture. Yeah. Matt Groening yeah. is the other one from The Simpsons because he he was going for a meeting to about making an animated show, and uh, they um, he didn't want to give up his characters for Life in Hell, which was the the comic that mm-hmm. he does to this day. And um, so he just off the cuff just scribbled down the Simpsons, didn't he? Like, oh, I'll come up with it's like based on my family. This this will this will fly. This will work. Yeah. <laughs> it's the longest running TV show of all time. So there we go. Yeah, man. I mean, like, say what you will about uh, Zombie Simpsons or post season eight Simpsons. I mean, it is an incredible success story. Um, yes. Um, the trailer. There's a new Star Wars coming out in December, Luke. Thoughts? There's something about this. This trailer to me we'll, we'll have a quick 10 minute thoughts on it and um it definitely has gotten me excited um mm. the last jedi fallout left a slightly sour taste in my mouth because people are so bitter and split about it and um you know i get sick to death of talking to people about brexit and stuff in the pub and then even my beloved star wars used to be a source of um comfort that that was a place i could go to that was pure escapism mm. and now of course there's so many people bitterly divided over a freaking space film it's uh you yeah, know it's just sure. it, it really left a bit of taste in my mouth i don't care if even if last jedi is my least favorite star wars uh, which it's not but even if it were who the hell cares? Like <laughs> it's a space film. Anyway, uh, the the new um, the new movie, the, the new trailer, definitely got me excited. Uh, it feels like, um, and we've heard the rumors, but it definitely feels like it's going to be uh, like a war on a bit of an epic scale. Everyone's really gearing up for war. Like I loved just getting a sight of the new Finn outfit, and yeah. I know that John Boyega at the convention at the panel said like he really didn't feel like Finn had a had an outfit yet yeah. because. It was a borrowed jacket and this kind of thing. And I know what he means. You know, you think of Han's jacket, you think of Luke's outfit yeah. in the original layers. You know, they're simple designs, but they are quintessentially summing up what that character is. And I think John's got a point, actually. Finn doesn't really have his own outfit, does he? And no. I, I think it's kind of cool that now now he's going to have one. Because um, he hasn't figured himself out really but, uh, yet, you know? I mean, in Force Awakens, he's just run away and he's scared of going back. In, in Last Jedi, he's trying to find find his sort of power and he sort of fails to do so but you know finds love on the way maybe so he hasn't really settled into himself yet whereas when we meet Han he knows what he's about he's already got the jacket you know yeah yeah I think no that's a really good point I just watched it now on mute I liked how they used Leia's theme across the whole thing I think that's a nice tribute um I'm hoping that her her sort of shadow um, looms across the movie, as well as the reconstituted scenes. I think she won't be dead, the character. No, no, no. And I think she'll even. I think she'll even be through to the end of the movie. Uh, personally, I don't think she'll be dead by the end of it. Uh, I think they'll have enough footage to 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 powder pepper her in, mm. and 
it will just about work. And uh, so I think she'll be a big part of it. And I don't think um, I don't think she'll be dead. Um, personally, that's just my prediction. Uh, but but the trailer itself um, definitely got me excited. Definitely like the the ramping up of war. There's some really cool little subtle moments. So for example, when they're on that kind of skiff thing, that speeder, yeah. and you've got three PO actually in some action kind of uh, moment with them uh, hanging off the back. And there's something about it that's just so Return of the Jedi. Like it feels like the Jabba skiff scene, and 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 in the desert. And I think some of the characters have goggles, which reminds me. Other people have said this, but certainly reminded me of the deleted scene from uh, from Return of the Jedi, where it's the sandstorm. They're getting into the Falcon and the sandstorm, mm. and they've got goggles on. They're just little subtle things, and nothing like that goes unnoticed. It's not an accident, you know. I'm sure that they're pulling up you know references to to the deleted jedi scenes this kind of thing and 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 pulling on those as inspiration and you know, it doesn't this stuff does not happen by accident and um overall that was the feeling i got how did you feel about um the crashed death star <clears throat> um the, it's the death star it's the death star 2 i believe um where emperor palpatine died yeah um also we think palpatine's back then in in whatever way and, yeah uh, this seems to be the... i also my other prediction is yeah. he won't be alive it'll maybe a hologram maybe uh they've, they've toyed um, with holograms before in the video games haven't they they did yeah in the battlefront yeah. to uh, uh the single player. interesting idea um, I like this, I think. I think they're going to have to be very, very clever about how they make this make sense for this trilogy. Because we haven't seen him at all. Uh, he was mentioned in Last Jedi. Now, Luke's life, yeah. Luke has seen everybody come back from the grave almost who had any kind of force association. He's seen Obi-Wan return, Yoda. Um, he's also seen his father. And so, presumably... The other powerful being from the Force world, being the Emperor, you could say that Sith ghosts are possible. There have been rumours of this as well in that Kylo has been communing with Vader's helmet or what he thinks to be Vader showing him the darkness. Show me again, Grandfather. And it could be entirely possible yeah. that Palpatine's been pulling this the entire time. But... Yeah. I would argue that that's a little bit shaky. I mean, I would have liked if this is going to be nine stories and it's going to be Emperor Palpatine's story about how he dominated the galaxy with politics and then ran a fascistic empire, leaving it in, in dust to then do what exactly? <laughs> you know, really extinguish the Jedi? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel bringing him back kind of mires the sixth story arc that George gave us, but I haven't seen the film. Maybe it's going to be amazing. Um, you're you're excited, I like aren't that you? Feel. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of the few ways you can you can tie them all it up, is. Um, because um, the prequels do the pre the prequels do make it more around um, the Palpatine's story as well. Uh, even because you've got to remember, you know, Return of the Jedi just essentially a bit part. You know, he, he's just he's just supposed to be 
he's introduced almost just to be badder than Vader yeah. because then then you have more sympathy for Vader, right? When 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 you even though you've seen him do terrible things, you have more sympathy because you go, oh, here's the real bad guy. Yeah, that's the reason he's there. But the the, the prequels do make it more about his story, um, and as a result of that, because he does seem to be the grand architect of of all of the ills of the galaxy and and um, other people have said this but it's very true that episode one the phantom menace the, the first movie in the whole saga he is the phantom menace you know that's the whole point that's the whole thrust it's the whole catalyst mm. that sets all of the chain of events off so therefore it did seem like a natural way to sum it up i mean i'm a big i was always a big supporter of the snoke is darth plagueis theory i always wanted to see that i don't think that's going to happen now because i thought that was a very clean way of linking it with the prequels that oh this was the original guy yeah that's who cool. trained palpatine but but um <clears throat> obviously i i think think that ship sailed and and uh that was not a problem so i think the, i think one of the other cl- the clean ways of doing it is just to have palpatine there in some way mm. in some of the expanded universe stuff um the official canon stuff so in the aftermath uh books uh there's a scene in in the first aftermath novel where uh palpatine sets up a an imperial base on jakku because there's something special there and uh, it, it's a big kind of force nexus or something and it's it's not really been touched on a since to my knowledge i wonder if that will play in in some way not not in a way that you had to have read the novel to know it's there but i wonder if they'll just you know allude to the fact that there's a connection between palpatine jakku and ray mm. I, I don't know um but I, I think it's just one of the easier it's one of the easiest ways of doing it and, and did, did you also read that apparently they consulted with george on how to finish the saga did you have you read yeah and I, I would i would be surprised if they didn't because i think you know, George Lucas started this thing, and I think it's good that he has a say in how it sort of wraps up. I really don't mind the Palpatine thing. I just, I'm super eager to see how they play it out. I think it could be absolutely incredible how this all comes together, and I hope they've done it. And I hope that J.J., you know, following Force Awakens, has gotten the the requel out of his system to do something compelling and new. Um mm. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for the movie. I, d- I didn't think I was going to be, but I, I am. I I, th- I think the trailer kind of offers very little, but um, the 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 dialogue's interesting, you know, you know, and also the text. Every generation has a legend. I'm trying to I'm trying to think about the name yeah. as well. The rise of the of sorry, the rise of Skywalker. I'm trying I'm well, trying to think the, about the, the meaning of that. Like, I love the idea that. Yes, we know that Luke Skywalker is his name. His father was Anakin Skywalker. And so for so long, we've considered it to be a surname. But, you know, what if it's not? What if it's, what if, you know, the, the Jedi are gone and what is referred to now are Skywalkers? You know, lone samurai who travel the galaxy to defend the just and the good. And that is what a Skywalker becomes. You know, and it's not yeah. affiliated with any I kind really of force. Like uh, it's not Jedi. It's not Sith. It's just the, the, we are all. You know, we are Skywalkers, and I, I just think that's a super yeah. way to end it, like inspire a new generation. And this picks up from Ryan's point in in Last Jedi, and like hands the power yeah. back to the everyman, puts it in the, in the hands of, yeah. the, of the galaxy. I think it's a really good point. So I'm hoping it's. I, that. Think, it's, I think it's a perfect point. Mm. I'd love that. A lot of people online seem less keen uh, from what I've seen, but I I think you're right because I think it's a really good way of building on the ending of The Last Jedi where you can quite clearly see these kids being inspired by the legend of Luke Skywalker. And I think it's um, a good way of um, 
showing the impact of both father and son in the universe as a positive impact. Mm. Um, so therefore, yes, it is the Skywalker saga. There's an outcome, you know, directly from from what those guys have done uh, as father and son. And and uh, and I also think that it does take the Jedi back to almost their core of what they kind of were when you just when all you knew was Obi-Wan and Yoda. Mm. They were like warrior, they're samurai monks, aren't yeah. they? That's kind of what they were. And I think it almost gets back to that a little bit, not criticizing the prequels at all, because that's well, the actually, hubris of the yeah, Jedi. Yeah, that's right? exactly it. Like, that's why it would be an elegant way to tie up the story, because exactly. the Jedi became bureaucratic and arrogant when actually their, their order needs to be less ordered in a way. They need to be more naturalistic, more in touch with the living force. And and like Qui Gon, yeah. a bit more of a nomad, which is what Qui Gon's argument yeah. always was. So that's, I mean, man, that that would make me very happy with nine, no matter what happens. Just that single plot thread, because I'd be like, right, Star Wars makes sense now as nine movies, and I can watch this, and I know yeah. where it's going, and the, the whole point is made. And they only need to give me five minutes of this movie to do that, and then they can just do the rest as fan service. I don't care. Like, that would be good. I mean, I might yeah. just take it on as personal headcanon if it doesn't go that way. But that would be very elegant. I would like that a lot. And it's new and brave and bold. And then you can do trilogies off the back of this. You know, like, you know, you can, you can fast yeah. forward 100 years ones. and you, you've got, you know, it's the Wild West and there's, an, there's the, a Skywalker here and a Skywalker there. And there's a rogue Skywalker who's gone bad or whatever, you know, and the, the whole thing resets. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like that theory. Mm. Um, it, it, it even ties up, they don't even have to mention it by name, but it even ties up the whole midi-chlorians yeah. because um, the, the midi-chlorians constantly speak to us telling us the will of the Force. You know, there's there's an element there where if, if this is the will of the Force, you know, if this is what the Jedi should truly be, then 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 that's tied up as well. And that was, What's with the that medal? Was, uh, you know, the, uh, that's, you know, that's the... That's the uh, it's an allusion to the Yavin medal, right? That's the Yavin medal, medal right? right? Um... So it's it's Luke's or Han's or Chewie's. Yeah, I don't know. There's a there's a hug scene with Leia, which is very interesting. After that as well, she's wearing an interesting ring on her finger. This looks like new footage with uh, Carrie and Daisy, but no, this is this is unused stuff from Force Awakens. Oh, this is my okay. point. There's actually a, there's there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, and I think that there'll be enough to use where they can have Leia run throughout the movie just in the background. And yeah. um, I think there was a rousing speech scene even that was that was filmed. So the, the, I think there's going to be enough to go on, and I'm not sure if she'll be dead. Hopefully, there's a I, lot I, of Hosnian Prime be. stuff, you know, and um, maybe maybe we'll see the return of a bit of politics, a bit of democracy from Leia, because she has a lot of um, scenes on Hosnian Prime that was all cut, I think, from Force Awakens, right? No, it wasn't her. Uh, she wasn't there. There were lots of Hosnian Prime scenes cut, but it was her um, aide, oh, who was the it. black girl, yeah. who you ju- you see the close-up of her uh, looking up at the sky, yeah, going, yeah. as Starkiller Base is about to destroy it. Obviously, there's no... Uh, you don't know who that character is, but she clearly gets a close-up. <laughs> she was clearly meant to be something. Yeah. Um, Interesting. She's got more screen time than Constable Zuvio, though, in Force Awakens. He's not <laughs> at all. I'm getting kind of excited, actually. Even talking about it, I almost want to watch Force Awakens and Last Jedi back to back today, or something. You know, it, it's 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 getting me excited about the, oh, yeah. just the characters and 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 where they could be taking it. Kylo's repaired his helmet. Yeah, this is cool, the, man. It's going to be a cool film, one. I think. I, I really liked our little brainstorm the there for solutions to the target. Like that worked for me really well. 
I think it could work well. That's gotten me really excited. Uh, I hope our expectations won't be dashed, and then uh, and we'll be as dis- bitterly disappointed as every other guy on the internet. But um, yeah, it, it's there's other things at celebration this year. I didn't know whether you caught the Mandalorian trailer, um, the Clone Wars stuff. I mean, there's there's tons of content that we can talk about. The one thing I will say about the Mandalorian tra- uh, trailer was yes, the trailer was obviously uh, was shown. But uh, if you remember, the live feed didn't have the mm. uh, footage from the Mandalorian. It is viewable online if you're yeah. if you know where to look and you search hard enough, you can you can see that whole scene, and it's freaking fantastic. It it's I am so excited for the Mandalorian, and don't forget it's going to be coming out a few weeks just before Episode Nine, so that's even earlier. But I think John Favreau has nailed the Western space space western tone maybe better than anyone since george on the original movie yeah uh, and when i say the original movie i, I kind of mean the moss eisley scene yeah uh only i'm hoping so, for um, like a firefly kind of soft reboot here you know i i, I like yeah. that kind of voyager thing i don't know i'm not a big fan of mandos and i feel like we're just we're caked in mandalorian so i will reserve judgment on that but if it's a compelling story and uh, brilliantly done then i'm totally on board yeah well we'll see proof uh, will be in the pudding yeah. and i look forward to getting teased a bit more on that one uh we'll be back soon we're going to be uh, g- talking a lot in the next few episodes about mm-hmm. the phantom menace and uh, 20 years on and the legacy of that but uh thanks <laughs> right. very much for listening everyone of course you can go to <coughs> one which is where we call home and uh, let us know about the show what you think about the show there you can also of course tweet us at local trouble pod and you can uh, get in touch on facebook if you search local trouble star wars podcast but uh, please do leave us a review on uh, itunes and you can of course uh, listen to us on spotify as well and stitcher thanks very much for listening everyone in the meantime may the force be with you Where did you dig up that old fossil?